0: Tonight we're going to be actually covering verses 153 through 176. And uh, I I was uh, reading a story uh, about, uh, I don't know if you guys have ever uh, done construction. Any of you here ever done like construction, maybe drywall, framing, things like that. So imagine going to a house, you're doing a a remodel. You open up the walls and you find (laughs) $152,000 in the walls. Um, I read this story about this. It's actually a true story. It was uh, $182,000. This contractor, his name was Bob Kitts, Um, he was the one doing the work. The homeowner, uh, Amanda Reese, uh, had hired him. They knew each other from high school. And uh, apparently, uh, this individual that owned the home, prior to them, had hidden all this money. In the the bathroom walls of an 83 year old home, he discovered two green metal lock boxes that were suspended inside a wall below the medicine chest, and it was hanging from wires inside. And he opened up these envelopes, and uh, and they found 182 thousand dollars. So, how many of you? maybe you could use that you're like hey that would be nice you know pay off a couple of bills maybe uh, you know buy a hummer i don't know what you would do with it but you know you know you think about that and it's like there's like this aspect of like treasure wow i found treasure i, I got this you know bonus we're gonna see tonight that that's what we have infinitely more in that we have found the bible now, we have found the Bible. Some people say the, the book finds us. It's kind of cool how God works that. But do you value this like that? Is it treasure to your heart? Do you read it? Some people, that they say today that people spend more time watching commercials on television than they do reading their Bible. And some of you are like, yeah, there's a lot of commercials as I'm watching TV But you know what? That's why at the end of the day, you guys, it doesn't take a rocket scientist. You don't need to be a theologian with a degree from seminary to realize that's why the church is anemic. that The church is is weak, generally speaking, because uh, they're not into the Word. And so what ends up happening is you start getting into the Word, and then the Word starts getting into you. And next thing you know, you fall in love with it, and you love it even more. I'm telling you this, you guys. I I know there's a million other things that you could be doing tonight. And and then next week, there'll be a temptation and other things that the enemy wants to put on your plate. Praise God that you have a hunger for him. And you know, and you know that you will find God as you study the Bible. It's a greater treasure than $182,000, you know, found in the walls. It's interesting. That story is an interesting story because they ended up fighting over it You know, he was thinking, uh, I should get 40% of the find. And she's thinking, oh, no, no, you only get 10% of the find. And so what ended up happening is they started fighting over it. It went to the news, and then the news spread the story. And eventually the former homeowners or whatever, the family of the former homeowners came in. And so everybody lost. And that's kind of what happens with the money and the stuff and the things of this world. Is that your focus? is that your focus? We have to check our hearts, huh? You know, as we read through Psalm 119, I encourage you and you know, to really it's kind of cool cuz the whole thing basically is a prayer. As you're reading each verse, ask yourself or ask the Lord, what does this passage pray and say about the Bible? Cuz look at verse uh, 153. Uh, Consider my affliction and deliver me. Now, who's the psalmist talking to? He's talking to God, right? There's this prayer. Consider my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. And so I don't know what the affliction was that he was going through, but just like all of us here, he was going through something, right? And so what do you do? You pray. And so he's praying, Lord, uh, 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 consider me. Lord, deliver me. I don't forget the Bible for I do not forget your law and we always go back to James one twenty-two 22 to 25 where the Bible says but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer he's like a man observing his natural face in a mirror for he observes himself goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty, and that's the scriptures, and it's so cool the way it describes it, the way that the scriptures set us free. He who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. And so, Lord, here's the affliction. Here's the situation. Here's the demon. Here's the addiction. Here's the whatever it is that is just overpowering me. And so, God, I'm praying, consider me, deliver me, because I, I, I really don't want to forget your law. Uh, I want to be one of those guys that, that is a doer of the word. Now, it's interesting there in James. Did you notice how he says that he looks into the mirror, and then it shows him who he is? And so you go out, and, and you know, you're, you're realizing, I have to change this about me. See, a lot of times people are like, well, this is a situation, and God, you've got to change this about him, about her, about them, about this, about that. And God is saying, no, it was a mirror. Remember, it was a mirror, and you forgot how you're messed up. And you're the one that, that needs to change. A lot of times. And so, just doing the word. No matter what the situation is, none of us here are 100% innocent. There's things that we could do better. There's things that we could do differently. And so he's saying, Lord, in the midst of this battle that I'm in, in the midst of this affliction, consider me, deliver me, because I don't, I don't forget your law. I can't forget your word intellectually, and I won't do it practically. Lord, I, I must not forget what it says to me about me and how I need to change and rearrange so many things in my life. In verse 154, He says, plead my my cause and redeem me, revive me according to your word. And so here is, again, what does it pray, what does it say about God's word? It's a prayer for intercession and redemption and, and even a suggestion that the answer would come in the form of revival rooted in the Bible. Now, you might be here and you're thinking, well, I don't need revival. I'm a Christian. I don't need revival. I'm alive. Yeah, but how alive? How alive are you really? do you need revival? I think a lot of us do a lot of the church needs God to quicken them. they need life and they need it more abundantly. I see it with my own eyes I see the way the things of the world and the cares and the deceitfulness of riches are choking the word. I mean I, again I don't want to be weird tonight but there's a lot of more there's a lot of people that should be here that are not here. And they're seeking the things of the world. It's so cool when you fall in love with the Lord and you say, God, um, and you can just pray that prayer because maybe you're not feeling it. You can pray that prayer. Revive me, Lord. Uh, quicken me. Make me stronger. Look at verse 155. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. And so why are, are the wicked wicked? Why are they so far from? from salvation and the simple reason is they don't seek god's way in god's word you know the bible and so it's so cool just coming back to the bible 156 it says great are your tender mercies O lord revive me according to your judgments you know and here we have an acknowledgement of god's uh, tender loving care notice again it says right there great are your tender mercies and then there's another prayer again and again and again revive me god god revive my heart god i i know there's more i know there's more i can't do this on my own i can't give myself that power i can't create an artificial hunger for your word and so i know something's missing god revive me And I just love the way the psalmist, he he roots it to the scriptures right here. That God would grant revival knowing once again that it will be rooted in the word. And so just in case you're here and you haven't been reading your Bible, you haven't been valuing it or you just, you know, in it, saturating yourself in the scriptures, here's just a practical way to change your life. I believe, you know, with all my heart, you know, turn off the television, put down the phone, you know, close the computer, you know, stop messing around. I mean, you know, even me, like I like to work out, right? And I, and I know I need to because if not, I'm going to be in big trouble. But I can't work out, I can't tend to the outer man if I haven't yet tended to the inner man. How can anyone have a peace about doing that? No way. I mean, that means that you care more about your physical than you do your spiritual. Now, again, not to be legalistic, but a lot of times we'll take that as an excuse and we'll throw our spiritual walk out the door. No, I mean, you guys, let's open up our Bibles. Um, read in the morning, you know, and then read maybe at night. Read in the noontime. Listen to Bible studies, read Bible-based books, watch movies that are edifying. Seek God with all your heart, not just part of it. And if you're having a problem, even just desiring it, then you can pray, Lord, revive me. Lord, I know that that revival is going to be rooted in the scriptures. In verse 157, many are my persecutors and my enemies, yet I do not turn from your testimonies. And, and we've seen this over and over again as we've studied Psalm 119, that no matter what the, the tribulation or the situation, the opposition, the persecution may be, no matter what the troubles are in your life, it's kind of cool. The, the answer or the response is always for us, just to go to the Bible. Go to God. Go to his word. Here is where we run and remain. You know, we turn the pages, but we would never turn away from the Bible. Because that's where God reveals his truth to us. That's where God will speak to us. Be honest. Have you been reading your Bible? Have you been, like, cherishing it? Has it been sweet to you? then something's wrong. And if you're okay with something being wrong, then something's going to happen in your life that's not—that's going to be the opposite of a blessing. This is heavy. We really have to get this in our heart. Now Psalm 19, 158, it says, I, I see the treacherous and am disgusted because they do not keep your word. Other translations, instead of treacherous, they use the word faithless, or they even use the word traitor. And because basically what he's saying is here that this psalmist sees this and it makes him sick because here were people who used to obey the Bible, but now they're traitors. Now they don't. And when he sees that, it you know it turns his stomach. And so you know we have a a heart for those who have drifted away and so we're not like harsh or judgmental but it does break your heart and it is a warning to us that if you know we don't abide if we don't seek him and all of us are vulnerable we can drift away so the treacherous it's a it's a a crazy crazy thing and then in in verse 159 he says consider how i love your precepts revive me O lord according to your loving kindness so are you guys in love you really in love you're like with who <laughs> are you in love with with god are you in love with the bible i mean this guy right here and i that's going to be one of the first questions when i get to heaven is lord who wrote psalm 119 who wrote this because it's an amazing psalm as I've told you before, some say maybe Ezra or David. Some say 176 different people wrote you know, one verse each. Um, we don't know, but whoever this was, they were in love with God. They were in love with the Bible. This guy was whipped, and, and here he even asked God to consider him because he says, Lord, you see how I, I love the Bible. And so, Lord, revive me, not because I'm worthy or lovely, but because of your loving kindness again look what it says consider how i love your precepts revive me O oh lord according to your loving kindness and this is the third time he's prayed for revival in this section and uh he yeah, apparently we don't know the history behind it but he knew that he needed it then more than likely his nation needed it then just like we Some of us here need it now, just like our family needs it now. Our nation needs it now. Are you okay with being a nominal, casual Christian? I hope not. Let me ask you a question. Would you ever go sit on the corner of a street and and preach? Would you ever do that? If, If God told you to do that, would you do it? Some of you here, you, you might, you're like, yeah, if I heard an audible voice. You know, but all, all I know, and again, I don't know if that's what God's calling you to, but I, we need to be those types of people who are willing to do that. Honestly, for whatever reason, the bar has been lowered so low, bar, lowered so low that when you look back at all the different revivals, it's so cool, you know, to study the history of revival probably the world's foremost authority on the subject of revivals and awakenings was a guy by dr j edwin orr and i want to give you his name because i know that sometimes you guys go on youtube or you look things up on online this guy right here really really cool guy you know uh you read his history his dad died at a young age his brother you know he was going to school but then he had to drop out and then at the age of 19 him and his friend they started this ministry And they started going uh, street witnessing. And then eventually he was able to get back into school. Eventually coming to a place where he graduated, uh, he got his doctorate from Oxford. But this guy, Dr. J. Edwin Orr, was just uh, uh, used by God in such a tremendous way to share the history of revival. And one time a student approached him and they said, Dr. Orr, besides praying for revival to occur, what can I do to help bring it about? And without a moment's pause, Dr. Orr glanced at the student and said, You can let it begin with you. You know, and, and you might be the, the spark plug. You might be the, the bomb. <laughs> you might be that one. if you can say that, Lord, let it begin with me, then God might, might use you to bring these great revivals, you know? You know, Dr. Orr, his resource, sermons, videos, uh, uh, they're all online. And he would always go back as he studied revivals. It would always began with prayer and repentance. Prayer and repentance. And that's where he would see, he tells tell stories about how this one pastor, he just asked his, uh, he asked the congregation to pray for him. And he asked the congregation to pray for him Saturday nights and Sunday morning. So Saturday night when the sun went down, he just asked everybody, Pray for me, and then Sunday morning before the sun goes up, for whatever reason he has to pray for him. And as they began to pray, and this the prayer meetings began to grow, the church began to change. And then one day, just out of the blue, eleven thousand people showed up for a communion service. So you know what he had to do? He had to call the other churches and get other leaders involved and pastors. And it was just, it was just this crazy. Revival. Because, you know, it, it's God, but at the same time, it's us. And you have to have a heart that says, I'm willing to pray, and Lord, I, I will repent. Any sin in my life, oh well, God, I, I surrender it to you, and here I am, Lord, I'm going to get on my knees. And as there's prayer and repentance, prayer and repentance, prayer and repentance, God brought that revival. You know, but it starts with us individually, right? A man once came to Gypsy Smith. Uh, He's a celebrated English evangelist of the 20th century and asked him how to have revival. And I think I've told you guys this before. Gypsy Smith said to him, well, do you have a place where you can pray? And the guy said, yes. And so Gypsy Smith said, tell you what to do. Go to that place and take a chalk and, and draw a circle around yourself kneel down there and pray for God to send revival on everything in the circle he said stay there until he answers and you will have revival you're like Manny but I have to go to work okay go, to, go ahead and go to work it's okay oh but Manny I have to eat alright well let me think about that one I mean seriously you know is that our heart is that the way we pray Uh, Gypsy Smith is another uh, amazing story. This guy, if you can, you can maybe look him up online. He was a a British evangelist who conducted uh, campaigns in the United States and Great Britain. He did it for 70 years. 70 years. Some people are like, wow, you know, I've been involved in the ministry for 25 years now, and I think I need to do something different, you know, and it's just so funny. It's so crazy the way that when the flesh and the world and the enemy comes in, you know how that can happen to an individual's heart and even someone who's called but here's a guy 70 years he got saved when he was 16 his mom died when he was 9 and uh and then his dad went to prison his dad ended up hearing the gospel getting saved in prison his dad you know came out of prison and they started working with the uh, um the evangelism and things like that But then what ended up happening is uh, at the age of 17 Gypsy Smith got saved and so what he did is he taught himself to read and write. He taught himself to preach. And so one day he's out there and again we're talking about somebody on the street corner and he's preaching. And uh, William Booth, he's the guy that oversaw the Salvation Army. He heard him preaching. He saw the potential. And he invited this uneducated 17-year-old young man who had no formal training in ministry whatsoever. He invited him to preach. Next thing you know, homeboy is preaching all around the world he goes he's from um you know england he goes to he he sails to america 30 times boom 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 he traveled the world africa asia just preaching his heart out and god used him this guy imagine teaching himself to read and write never no formal training gifted and in love with god to the point where when he would go and he would do the evangelistic crusades, there would be hundreds of thousands of people there. See, God can get a hold of our hearts. God can bring revival. Do you believe? Do you believe that? Do you want that? Are you hungry for that? Are you thirsty for that? Or are you one of those who are like, you know what, I can't wait until this study's over because I want to go get me a double-double. Seriously. What's going on? You know What's going on in the church? I trip out on these things. Look at verse 160 right here. It says, The entirety of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous judgments endures forever. And so the entirety of your word is truth. This is what theologians call the verbal plenary inspiration of the Bible. Can you guys say that? Verbal Plenary? Verbal plenary, because that is an important theological phrase. We believe in the verbal plenary inspiration of the Bible, that it's all perfectly and powerfully true, completely inspired by God. Uh, Jesus said even uh, every jot and every tittle would be fulfilled. Um, Matthew chapter 5 and, and verse 18. For surely I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. And we actually went through uh, the different letters. Do you guys, I'm just curious, do you guys have the Hebrew letters in your Bible in Psalm 119? Because every eight verses is a different Hebrew letter. Do you guys see that? And so you go back to the tenth letter. And you'll actually see uh, the Yod. Uh, in the Hebrew, it's called Yod. And you'll see how small it is. It's, so, it's such a, a small little letter. That's on page uh, 931. I'm just joking. In my Bible it is. But see how small that is? You know, it's interesting. I don't know if Andrew's here. He's probably doing security. But when Andrew prays, he 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 prays you know for us as we teach uh, book by book chapter by chapter verse by verse word by word but he doesn't say letter by letter and so now we got to tell him hey Andrew you got to say letter by letter too because <laughs> that's what Jesus is saying every every the smallest letter the smallest little Hebrew uh, mark right there. Everything and the entirety of your word is true. Think about what we have right here. It's all inspired by God and and profitable, the Bible says. You know, it's interesting. There's a a passage in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 16 where Paul is uh, teaching about the difference between seed and seeds, And one is plural. One has, you know, in our language, a little extra letter on it. And he says that if it were seeds, it would be in reference to Israel. But since it's seed, it's in reference to Jesus. And that's how important every single letter, every single grammar mark is. You know, Luke 16, verse 17, it says, And it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away. Than for one tittle of the law to fail and so you know we believe in the verbal plenary inspiration of the bible every word is god breathed from genesis to revelation not just the ideas behind the words not uh, just that concept but every single word in the bible is there because god wanted it there and so we see in second timothy three sixteen through 17 that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so that's a great uh, cross-reference to this passage. And this is why we never tire of it, because the entirety of the word is truth, right? Okay, verse 161 says, Princes persecute me without a cause, but my heart stands in awe of your word. And so this is an interesting passage. It basically means that rulers pursue him for no reason. Yet he says right here I'm more afraid of disobeying your instructions. I uh, my heart trembles only at your word, not at these rulers or princes, right? And so is that us? If you think about it, does my heart stand in awe of God's word? This guy right here, that's where he he was at. And then verse 162, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. And so earlier I was telling you about a a, a guy who found $182,000. There's another story I have right here about another individual who inherited a house. It was a hoarder's house. And so any hoarders here? This is probably good news. No, I'm just joking. You guys shouldn't be hoarders. But anyways... Uh, They inherited this house. They were kind of at first, you know, like, I don't want it, I don't want it. Ends up uh, going in. They find gold everywhere. I guess they had connected gold bars and, you know, uh, things like that underneath the furniture. $3.7 million worth of gold. 200 pounds. Imagine that. And so you're thinking, that would be so cool, right? But you have something better. That's what we're reading right here. I, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. You know, and when you're reading the Bible, um, you, you can't just surface read it. You got to dig in, huh? You know, today, I just want to give you guys a random example. Turn to John chapter 12. John chapter 12, notice what it says in verse 37, but that although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him, that the word of Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, which he spoke, Lord, who has believed our report, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Therefore they could not believe, because Isaiah said again, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, lest they should see with their eyes, so they should understand with their hearts, and turn, God says, so that I should heal them. Now, again, this is just a random example, but this morning as I was going through it in my devotions, uh, it just kind of jumped out at me how it says in verse 37 that although he had done so many signs before them, they did not believe in him. And so here they are. Jesus is doing these amazing works. Uh, Imagine that, the things that the Lord did. But because of the fact that they were caught up in their own kingdom, they had their preconceived ideas, they were not open to God, they did not believe, to where eventually it came to a point in verse 39 where they could not believe. And a lot of times people think, well, Calvinism, it teaches that some can't believe because they're not chosen. But like I was telling a lady, I was having a conversation with her the other day, and she says, well, yeah, but Pharaoh hardened his heart. Yeah, I said yeah. But before he hardened his, before God hardened Pharaoh's heart, Pharaoh hardened his own heart five times, and you see that right here. That you know, if you don't believe, eventually the time may come where you can't believe. And again, I know that's random. I know that's something that maybe you saw the first time you went through. But I just I like the connection here, and I think it's important for us as we're studying God's word. You know, to to dig in, to dig into it, because as we dig into God's word, we are going to find great treasure. And God will show us things that's so cool that maybe we didn't know before. And so back in Psalm 119 in verse 163, he says, I hate and abhor lying, but I love your law. And so we have to ask ourselves, do we hate detest and despise lies, exaggerations, all forms of falsehood? That's a good place to be. And you have to ask yourself, do I love the Bible? When you're there, you're you're gonna be a healthy Christian. In verse one sixty four, seven times a day, I praise you because of your righteous judgments, and seven being the number of perfection or completion. It, it's kind of cool um, because it, it's proper to praise God because of the fact that we've been given salvation and the wisdom of His word. Think about that. Look what he says, seven times a day I praise you. It doesn't necessarily mean that you know we do it you know a certain time, but what it is is a complete praise. I just I am praising God all day long because of His amazing, amazing word. You know, and that's where, where we should be. Uh, why do we praise God? Why do we praise? When we're singing songs up here, I don't know what goes through your mind. I don't know if you guys are tracking. Maybe you're thinking of other things. I know there's a temptation for our minds to wander. But one of the reasons why, I, no matter how I feel, no matter you know what's going on in the, in the environment, I, I, I try to focus on praising God, on, on singing these songs because I know that when I praise God, the demons hate it. They hate it. I mean, not only does it honor God, not only does they hear it, not only does it do a work in me, but the demons, when they hear us praising God, it's like uh, you know this, the green uh, chalkboards being scratched. you guys know that, that sound? That's what it's like to them. And so that's why it's important that you, that you sing, that you praise Him. Because it's then, when, you know, when you see the Old Testament, the musicians would go before the army, it's then you get victory. It's then there's an earthquake. In Acts 16, it talks about that earthquake. Amazing things happen when we're praising God. And so whatever you do, don't check out during that time. Make sure you're focused. Make sure you're singing. Make sure you're praising God. And do it all day if you can. In one sixty-five, it says, "Great peace have those who love your law, and nothing causes them to stumble." You know, and, and and in our in our study today, we've already come across a couple of statements on how the psalmist loves the Bible. Well, we're going to see it again in one sixty-seven. But here's the fruit of such love. Uh, again, notice he says. A great peace have those who love your law. So do you have peace? I mean, when you're loving the Bible so much that you're learning it and living it, you're you're reading it, it, heeding it, you're studying it out, it's a different life. What ends up happening is no matter what the problems are and what the persecutions are, you are going to have not just a peace, but a great peace. Jesus called it a perfect peace when we love his law, right? And nothing, he says right here, causes them to stumble. And that's an interesting thing because I've seen Christians sometimes stumble. I mean, they trip over a paperclip type of thing. I mean, they stumble over everything, man. For some, it seems like anything and everything, the smallest thing causes them to stumble, you know? They go to church and someone says, they weren't nice to me, cold as ice to me. They didn't say hi when I walked by. And, you know, next thing you know, they're all flared up or they're upset or whatever. The enemy comes in and he does evil, wicked, terrible, horrible things. And and it's like they, they stumble so easily. Where the contrast is when you love God's law, you're going to have this great peace. And nothing causes me to stumble. What is a stumble? I mean... Stumble to me is like this is the road that I'm on. This is where God has me walking. I'm not a perfect guy by any means, but I, I know what God's called me to do. This is my direction. This is where I'm going. And and someone might do this to me or say that about me on the side or whatever. They might push me or whatever, the enemy comes in. But man, I'm just I'm just I'm just walking. I just keep walking. That's how you need to be. That's how we need to be, and that's what will happen when we are in the word the way we're supposed to be i tell you what maybe you're here tonight and you're like one of those i never read the bible i'll give you a bible i'll give you a leather bible maybe i mean i'll give you well if you don't have one we'll give you one you go home you open up that bible when you get in your house and your door open up that bible and the demons will run away because you're going to say lord I'm learning in Psalm 119 about the importance of your word. You know, how how much do you have to read? How long do you have to read? 10 minutes? What do you think? 15 minutes? 20 minutes? Have you ever tried reading like a whole book of the Bible, like the whole book of Romans, whole book of Galatians? I mean, stuff like that. I mean, think about it, you guys. I mean, as we love his word, then God will give us peace. Nothing will cause us to stumble. Uh, 166, Lord, I hope for your salvation, and I do your commandments. And, and, you know, it's interesting when we agree to this relationship with God through Christ, we said in our heart, I, I do believe, and I will behave. Now right here, hope for your salvation. It, it, it might be in reference to the salvation of our souls from hell. But it's probably in reference, and you'll see this a lot of times in Psalms, just in in the situation that you're in, in the battle that you're in. Because you're already saved and you've already won the war, but there's a certain battle going on. There's a certain salvation that you need here. There's a certain deliverance that you need today. And when you read the Psalms, a lot of times when you're talking about salvation, that's what he's talking about. Maybe you're here and you're just stuck. You are just stuck. You are like in a stalemate. You can't go anywhere. What do you need? This is what you need. You need salvation. You need deliverance to get past this. Well, how does it happen? It happens with with a heart that says, "I I not only believe, but I behave." Look at verse one six six. Lord, I hope for your salvation, and and I do your commandments. Do you? Lord says, "I want you to love." Let me think about it. (laughs) You know, I mean, whatever it is, I mean, that's how it it works out. 167, my soul keeps your testimonies and I love them exceedingly. You know, and we see this over and over again, right? How beautiful when one obeys the Bible, not just on the uh, the outside, but on the inside. He says, my soul, right? Uh, My soul, it keeps your testimonies 168 i I keep your precepts and your testimonies for all my ways are before you and so we why do we obey why do we obey god's word you know primarily is because we love him we love him he was nailed to a cross for us and we want to please him but partially because we fear him You know, I think about it a lot. I can't, you know, like you're driving down the street and you see a girl jogging down there. I don't know about you guys, but for whatever, just because of the way that we're wired, we want to look. Well, maybe it's somebody I know. I don't know why we rationalize it like that. I've already learned. I've already learned you can't do that. You can't. Just keep your eyes on the road. Um, You can't sin. Because when you let sin in, it comes between you and your wife. What would happen, Manny, if you fell? What would happen to this church? You you can't do that to her, to them, to the Lord. And not only that, I've told you guys before that God would kill me. He used my wife to do it. He would definitely kill me. So we have a healthy we have a healthy fear of God. And it's a good place to be because I know this. What he says right here is true. I I keep your precepts and your testimonies for all. You circled the word all. All my ways are before you. You can't hide it. You can't hide it. You can't hide a thought. You can't hide a word. And that's why it's important for us to know that. You know, I try not to anger him. I don't want to grieve him. I don't want him to hurt me. Neither do I want to hurt him. Uh, Wouldn't it be cool if on the other side of the spectrum, in one sense, we could make him proud? What if one day when we stand before Christ, he were to say to you, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we want, right? Because he sees all our days and all our ways. Let me read to you a whole bunch of verses here. Just in case you're wondering about this. Job 31.4, does he not see my ways and count all my steps? Think about that. Aware of every single step. Job 34.21 and 22, for his eyes are on the ways of man and he sees all his steps. There is no darkness nor shadow of death where the workers of iniquity may hide themselves. Proverbs 5.2, for the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord and God. He ponders all his paths. Isaiah twenty nine fifteen through sixteen, Jeremiah sixteen, seventeen, for my eyes are on all their ways, they are not hidden from my face, nor is their iniquity hidden from my eyes. Jeremiah twenty three, twenty four. Can anyone hide himself in secret places? Shall I not see him? says the Lord. Do I not fill heaven and earth? Now not only is God there, he's there in his fullness. When he says I fill heaven and earth, that means it's a doctrine of the immensity of God. You know, he doesn't got like one you know, arm in California, the other arm in New York type of thing. No, he is everywhere in his fullness at all times. He doesn't need cameras. His eyes are there. And so when you, when you become aware of that, I trip out on how guys can have affairs. Next thing you know, they're on social media and they establish in these relationships. Whatever happened to the fear of God in someone's life? You guys got to check that, you know. Thank God for my wife. She keeps me accountable. You know, if a girl texts me, I got to make sure I include her. And she knows what's going on. I I pray we'd have a healthy fear of God. Everything is before him, known to him. He's there and aware of my every way. All I say every day. And so we should obey uh, the Bible. Psalm 119, uh, 169. Let my cry come before you. O oh Lord, give me understanding according to your word. Let my supplication come before you. Deliver me according to your word. Again, remember, what does it pray? What does it say? He's crying. When was the last time you were crying when you are praying? And there's a supplication. Lord, I need you. Supply my needs. In verse 171, my lips shall utter praise. There it is again. For you teach me your statutes. My tongue shall speak of your word for all your commandments are righteousness and it's kind of interesting because you know he's crying he's asking he's praying and asking god for supplication next thing you know he's praising and again it's all part of our christian life huh and then what he's doing is he's declaring my tongue shall speak of your word not just even speaking your word although that's probably part of it you're going around telling people about the Bible. That's so cool. He says, Let your hand become my help, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live, and it shall praise you, and let your judgments help me. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. And so here we see in 173 that God's hand, God gives us a hand. You know, think about that. God's hand becomes our help. But it's interesting how in Psalm uh, 119, 175, that God's word is the one that helps. And let your judgments help me. I think that's kind of cool. And again, in Psalm 119, 174, I long for your salvation. Now, obviously, this guy knows the Lord. I mean, he's writing a book in the Bible. He loves the Bible. He knows the Lord. So when he's talking about salvation, again, like I said earlier, he's talking about something that's been getting in the way, some demon or some situation, uh, maybe even his own. Deliver me from me. God, it's time for me to kind of get to the next level. It's time for me to overcome this. Lord, I can't do this without your help you know so here he is he's he's asking god he's praying god uh praying to god for for salvation deliver me lord uh from the struggles i have for me you know maybe you've come this evening with this like lost connection with christianity and it's interesting in this last verse right here Did you guys notice what it says i have gone astray like a lost sheep now that's interesting Here he is writing the Bible, but he's talking about, in all honesty, some of the times where he struggled. I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. And so God, uh, I don't know where he was at when he wrote that particular verse right there, but I do know that maybe he's even writing it knowing that eventually someone is gonna read it. Maybe even someone here tonight. And it's kind of interesting. Maybe you're here and you can identify with that. I, I I've gone astray. Uh, I I I we all have that inclination to, to just you know end up in the wrong place and we feel like we're lost. I don't know if you've ever been lost. Most guys have never been lost, right? Just kinda of taking the scenic route, whatever. You know, but have you ever been lost to where you didn't know how to get back? That's what he's saying right there in that in that final verse. Lord, I've I'm lost and I just don't know how to get back. Lord, look for me. Lord, find me. Lord, help me. And it's even interesting the way that it ends right there for I do not forget your commandments. Somewhere in there, in this individual's heart, there was still uh, a love for God's Word. And when I read this last verse right here, I couldn't help but think of one person. Maybe you guys remember her back in 2005. Her name is Ashley Smith, and she was a meth addict. And she lost her kids, uh, she lost uh, her daughter. And so um, one day she was out there, and I, I don't know if she was moving or something, and a man uh, by the name Brian Nichols had escaped from prison. He was an alleged rapist. And on the way to her house, he murdered four people. So he gets Ashley Smith. And again, she's a, she's a meth addict, right? And she And he has her in her apartment as a hostage. And the police are out there for seven hours. Now, the interesting thing about Ashley Smith was that she was a Christian at one time. She used to know the Lord. And even during all the things, and the, the crystal meth, and the loss of her daughter, and all the different things that she had been involved in, it's interesting to read her story. They made a movie out of it. She would still read her Bible every morning. Think about that. Even though she's doing drugs, it's kind of weird, huh? But right here, I thought about her. Here, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. And I just thought, wow, Lord, that's her. You guys probably remember the story. She went on. She shared. She read to him out of a Christian book that she had been reading. And you know, the next thing you know, he turned himself in, and everything went okay. Now I checked on her. You know, it's you know, whatever. How many years later? Um, 14 years, yeah, 14 years later, she's still walking with the Lord because God got a hold of her heart right there. And just in case there's anyone here tonight, and as we close in prayer, we could have uh, musicians come forward. If if that's you, maybe you've gone astray. You can pray the same thing. Lord, uh, seek your servant. Uh, Lord, uh, help me. Lord, save me. And if you pray that prayer from your heart to his, then he will. So I pray, if that's you, just take that step towards him tonight. Because if you take that one step, then God will meet you there.